Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. And boy, I have a great guy with us today. Dave Carringer and I have been friends on Facebook for quite a while. This is the first time we've seen each other face-to-face. We've talked on the phone before. But Dave is the author of a wonderful new book called Born from Above. It's a wonderful book. I just uh, finished reading it. I, I got an early copy of it a few days ago. It's called Born From Above, Waking Up to Our Genesis, just released uh, this month, March 2020. And uh, tells about how in 1996, at the age of 24, desperate from being involved in a life of drugs and violence and danger, Dave had an encounter with God that dramatically changed the trajectory of his life. And he soon started ministering to those in jail, to teenagers on the street who were drinking and doing drugs, to uh, the abandoned elderly and to a host of others. And eventually, as he says in the book, he came to realize the world doesn't need more Bible teachers. Rather, it needs more carriers of the Father's heart, which he indeed is. And he describes himself as an ordinary guy on an extraordinary journey. So welcome, Dave Carringer. Thank you very much, Paul. It's great to be here. And that was 24 years ago. I was much older than 24. It would be nice if I had that jump on. (laughs) I was quite a bit older than that. That was back in 1996. But yeah, I had a really amazing experience that just changed the course of my life. Well, tell us about that experience first and then tell us how it's changed your relationships with people. As I write about in the book, just briefly a little bit about my past, I was raised in the home of a My dad was a bootlegger and sold drugs and alcohol and things out of our, we lived in a dry county. And so I was raised around that. And he traveled with a circuit of men who were gamblers and they were high stakes gamblers and stuff. And so I just from the age of, you know, 10, 11, 12, got to the point where just from his use of drugs and things like that, he wasn't able to drive. And I would drive him around and chauffeur him to these places. And so I grew up in that environment around the drugs and the guns and the women and the violence and all that sort of thing. And it just it became a life, you know, and there were many things about my dad that at the time I didn't really like. And then later on, I realized as I look back at my life, I had become everything he was mm-hmm. and more and mm-hmm. uh, just a really hard life. And at the age of 15, he shot me We're fighting over drugs and, so I had a I had a life when I left there after that, and for the next many years I just had a life just consumed with drugs and you know weapons and all the other things that is out there to grab your attention. And when my daughter was born, Leah, I had something happen to my heart when I held her when I knew that she was in her mom's belly. Something began to change, and I began to feel a love that I'd never felt before. And 
through that, I guess what I was experiencing was the father's heart, the, the love for a child was a love that I had never known before. And I began mm-hmm. to realize how my mom loved me, you know, through all the stuff that I, when I was the most unlovable person there was, and yet she loved me so far beyond. And, and, uh, one day when Leah was about eight years old, I had come to a point where I was just tired of living on the edge and all these things. And I pulled over on a little gravel road one day and just out in the middle of the country and just pulled over and looked up through the windshield. And I said, God, if you're real, I want to know uh, if you'll show me who you are, show me the truth about who you are and let me know you're real and I'll do whatever you ask. I didn't really know what I was saying and I didn't really know who I was saying it to, but I know that something, there was a presence in that car that day that was so on fire in my heart and it never went away (laughs) and it just kept getting stronger and stronger. And I went home, I drove when I finally got to where I could actually drive home. I went home and just spent the rest of the day going through the house and I'd made up just right there. Something happened to me that transformed the way I was thinking. I don't know how to describe it. You know, I think that much of what we do in religion and trying to describe God, we're using descriptors and words and things trying to to describe something that is indescribably beautiful. And sometimes we lack at that. But I went home and just started, you know, pills and powders and cutting syringes in half and just, you know, that day I walked away from it and never went back. I mean, I never looked back. I, and so I just realized that something had happened in my life. And I went to a little Baptist church that was nearby that they had come by and got Leah for vacation Bible school that summer. And I walked in that church and started talking to them, began telling them what happened to me that day. And I had long hair and tattoos and earrings and and they just loved on me, you know, like they'd always known me. And they began to tell me that what happened to me was that I was born again, that I'd been born again, that that's what happens, you know. And they said, that, you know, anybody could be born again if they, you know, confess their sins and believe that Jesus was dead and resurrected and would ask him to come live in their heart and that they would be born again. And I hadn't done any of those things, but <laughs> I took their word for it because I didn't know anything about, you know, religion or protocol or whatever. And and I really did feel like a new person. And so that was the beginning of the journey. And I found an old King James Bible that my mother had given me from years ago when she'd gone out to visit at Oral Roberts University. And so I got this Bible and uh, people told me that this book contains everything that you'll ever want or need to know about God. Well, I figured if that was the truth, I was going to find out what was in that book. And so for the next few years, I was I had a new addiction. And it wasn't to drugs and, and alcohol and all the other things, but it was to this book. That was pretty much the journey of where I began to just study and discover and, and go. And, you know, I found out there were other translations. And then I found out there were concordances and dictionaries that would help me see things that other people wouldn't see in casual reading. And I bought them. And, you know, that's how I spent my days. I would come home from work and I would sit down and I would read. And I think that was one of the most enjoyable things that I remember was somebody introduced me to another translation of a Bible beside the King James because I would sit and at the time I did uh, OSHA safety things for I was working in a 
in a plant and I would read these OSHA manuals and I'd read a whole page and I'd be like, my gosh, what did I just read? And I, no offense to anybody, but that's kind of how I felt sometimes when I would read the, the King James. And then when I found out there were other translations that I could actually understand without all the these and the vowels and all that, it was like a whole new world for me. So, but that was kind of, that was just how the journey began. And so the book is a story of, the 24 years after that and the things that I learned and what I found and what I did discover was a, a father. Uh, you know, we, we try to describe God, this divine source that has given us life and breathed breath into us. And what I found out about God was that he, she, however you want to term it in whatever language, this divine source that had shown me the truth of what I could do and what I had the ability to do was way better than anything that I was hearing preached. And I'd learned about this. People had come up to me before and tried to scare me with a, you know, turn or burn message that I was going to go to hell if I didn't change my ways. And, you know, we have to realize that when somebody's lived in the kind of situation that I did for all those years, telling somebody they're going to go to hell didn't really do much for me. And I was either too mean or too stupid to be afraid of that you know in any way so but I found out you know as I moved along that this father that Jesus talked about when I began to really study what Jesus had showed us and the analogies and the pictures of the kingdom and the gardening and fishing and life and the little children and all these things I began to discover a paternal source that Jesus talked about that was way better than what I had heard talked about. And the more I walked in, in this journey, the more I discovered that the father that Jesus talked about was very different than the God that has been portrayed to a lot of us in our traditions and our upbringings in church. So once you started seeing that revelation of the father's heart, how did it affect your relationships with your wife, your kids, your family, people you worked with? It, it changed it entirely because I began to see when Jesus talked about that we were one, that there was one father, there was one source who is in all, through all. And, you know, when you go back and actually look at the Hebrew language and study it out in the depths of it, the implication is that God when I say God, I'm trying the best to, you know, in different languages, the source that we came from, that we were breathed out of, didn't give us an invitation to say, hey, if you want to come be part of me, you can do this, this and this and jump through these hoops and I'll accept you and be your father. We were given a breath and a source of life that is inseparable from you know, when you go back and study it in the oldest Hebrew language, it actually says that that source said, let us become man. And so when we find that out, it causes you to, like Paul said, that I can no longer regard any man according to the flesh. You begin to see people with a love that's not an exclusive love of you come in, you know, we go out, we'll get you and bring you into our walls and you can come and be part of our club. And, you know, there's different clubs and it's like one big wall with a bunch of little walls in the middle. And, and I found out about a loving source that was in us with no invitation that we couldn't get away from. And the voice that I began to clearly hear after I, came and surrendered to that and just wanted to be part of it and said, show me the truth of who you are. I realized years later that I was hearing 
some of the same things now that I was close to this source that I had heard years before when I was buddy as deep in darkness and, you know, with the evil of things that you could ever imagine being. And it was the same things I was hearing whispered in my spirit, but I didn't understand. And I came to realize that that voice didn't start speaking to me because I pulled over on that little gravel road that day. That voice had been speaking to me all along, but I didn't have ears to hear it. And when when we begin to realize that we've we've been brought into this thing carrying the divine treasure, the presence of what we call God, and we begin to fall in love with people and realize I became a human treasure hunter. I mean, I, that's really, I would look for the treasure in other people. Just, I would look into people's eyes and I've had people, you know, at the store that would, why are you looking at me like that? And I wouldn't realize that I was doing it, but now I can see you know, sure, we see the scars and we see the things on the outside of people. But when we, we start to, to realize and embrace that father's heart, we see the treasure in people that often they don't realize is what's in there. And I've had to apologize. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to. I wasn't staring at you. I was just looking at the beauty in your eyes and the treasure of God in, in your life. And I've had people just break down and start weeping, you know, you see God in my life? Oh, my goodness. You carry the treasure of the very presence of love in your life. And so that's for me, it's, it's totally changed how I see people. And now to know that I was taught to stay here, don't do this, don't go outside the camp. It's dangerous out there. If you listen to other people uh, that don't line up with our doctrines, you know, this will happen and you'll get go down a road to deception and all these things. And you got to stay under our covering and our protection. (laughs) What I found out was after I started venturing out there and studying some different things in world histories and different cultures and people, I saw elements of beautiful truth and all of it. And it was in different languages and different descriptions. And what I began to realize was that I was learning more about this source we call God from people I had been told to stay away from than the people who had warned me not to go out there. And so my fear of what was out there began to dissipate completely. And I got to where now it's so enjoyable that I can sit down side by side with anybody from any culture, from any religion, and have a spirit to spirit talk with them and hear things from their heart and not have to try to convince them to adopt my way or my theologies or any of those things, but to realize that the same presence of God or the divine source that lives in me lives in this person right beside me. And they didn't have to do anything to get that. They can't get away from it. But we're waking up to this genesis of what we were given in the very beginning of the breath that was breathed into us. And for me, it's just better every day. I'm like a little kid. I tell people that I wake up every morning. I've learned to surrender to this life. For years, I was in, you know, and and, and I don't mean to offend people. And this isn't about what other people do. It's just a story of my journey and things that I learned. But there was a time that I was in, you know, the charismatic camps and the word of faith camps. And, you know, I've tried it all. I've been in all of it. And there was times that we would fight and do warfare and we would try to confess our way into things and, and doing all these things. And I found out that those are exercises of things that keep us busy. It's kind of like a cul-de-sac you know, ways that seem right. But when you get to the end of those roads, is there any life really waiting in that? And 
what I began to find out was that I didn't, I could get up and surrender to the day that I now believe that everything in this universe has been put into motion to work how we see it and for our good. When I say good, I mean, I've got to where I can get up in the morning and just like a kid in this great big amusement park, I surrender to the day and I'm thankful. I'm just, I'm grateful. And, and that's my idea of worship of not with my hands in the air and crying out to a distant God, which I can never believe in again, but a fatherly paternal pattern source that was put in my life to live through me and as me. Now I can live out of a grateful heart and realize that I can surrender to the day and whatever comes my way, whether it may seem bad or I don't like it, you know, go back to the amusement park analogy. Sometimes we go and we get on a ride and it's the best ride we've ever been on. And we just want to ride it over and over and over again. And then there's other days we get on a ride and it's like, I don't ever want on that ride again, you know? (laughs) And then, but yeah, years later you look back and you look at that day that you just absolutely hated and you never wanted to be on it again, but you begin to see little dots of things that were connected to that and then where you are now and you begin to realize, oh my goodness, all of this came from dot, dot, dot. And if that day that I didn't like and didn't ever want to see again had not happened, it wouldn't have spun me off into this to bring me where I am today. And so it's brought me to a place that every day I can just get up and surrender to this beautiful divine source that has given us life and know that, yeah, there's some stuff that's going to come along that I may not want to do again, but I can learn from that and move and become a lot of times it helps our emotions and fears and different things that we try to avoid or, or push away or confess away when really it's something inside of us trying to teach us to deal with that and come to a place where you accept that I'm here now. I don't have to stay here but we begin to realize there's a healing process that's going on in that. And once I accept that and quit trying to shove it away, I can accept the truth about it. And then later on, look back and see where it's really changed my life in a way to accept others and love others and maybe help them wipe the sleep out of their eyes where they can see who they are too. Boy, that's so wonderfully said, Dave. And it's, God's mercies are new every morning. We have grace for the day, the day that we're at. And we do know that he's continually working out everything for the good for everyone. And like you, I believe if God wants to, and I I think maybe he will, one day he'll show us how all these dots connect and what he was doing here and what he was doing there. And it does just change everything. It's like God doesn't get better every day, but our understanding and our realization of how good he is increases every day. And what a change that is from the old works oriented. I got to do this. I got to do that. And seeing everybody as outside the camp, but it's our job to get them in. And if we don't, then we beat ourselves up over that. What a difference it is. It does. And it just, it causes you to really love people and love. The big part of that is that we begin to accept ourselves. You know, we've grown up with this old worm in the dust, born with an evil spirit, just all of this stuff that is things that we have totally misunderstood about scripture and that we've been raised into this, that we have to, you know, it's where I start the book off is that, you know, I go to the biggie of being born again, that talk with Nicodemus and Jesus 
that all my life, you know, I heard, well, you have to be born again. And it's, it's when we look at this, and once again, I don't mean to offend anybody, but we have this practice that we go through where we do things and we pray or confess or say this. And then suddenly, you know, the people stand and they clap and behold a new creation. And it's like, we made a choice what day we were going to go. And we just went into the high court of heaven. And with one short prayer, suddenly this father, this God, judge God, who we were taught was willing and ready to cast us into eternal torment. Now with one prayer, we're transformed and born again. And now he sees us as a child. When we begin to see that and find out what Nicodemus and Jesus were really talking about, it wasn't Jesus telling Nick what he would have to do to begin to see the kingdom and the love of God. He was telling him why he was able to recognize it in Jesus. And Basically, what Jesus was telling them is if you hadn't been born from above with this same spirit, it's the Father's spirit in you that has drawn you to the Father's spirit in me that shows you who I am, that you realize that I am of God and that these works that I do couldn't happen unless the Father was within me. You couldn't see those things if that same spirit and that same fatherly love hadn't been placed in your life too. And when we begin to realize that, that we we were not born with an evil spirit, we were not born in sin, we were not born in all of these things, then we can actually begin to come out of this worm in the dust mentality and begin to love ourselves. And it's only when we love ourselves and can accept ourselves for who we are and not wake up in the morning like, oh God, how can I please you? What can I do today? And I did all those things for years of wanting to serve and do all these things or go to bed at night. People that go to bed, they live in hell on earth because they've been taught if they don't confess their sins before they go to sleep and they die in their sleep, they might end up in eternal torment. And I mean, we've seen things in distorted views and So what I realize now about the Bible in the old manuscripts and in the ancient writings of the Hebrew, there are beautiful descriptors of life that are literally the master keys of life that are hidden in these old scriptures of of stories and analogies that we're just now starting to see. And I don't claim, man, I just seen enough. I'm like a little kid. I see little glimpses (laughs) of things about the ark and, you know, different things that was never about people like God killing people, but it was metaphorical language and different things. And so when we begin to see this, that there's this book, this Bible is a beautiful story. And in that story is contained a backdrop of the father's love and the incarnation of the divine in human flesh. But it also contains some warnings and some different things to show us what happens when that backdrop gets veiled by the imaginations and distortions of man and what we end up going through. That's exactly right. And, you know, Dave, our time has really flown by. We're going to do uh, another interview in a minute that folks will be able to see and hear a week later. But as we close this session, and I want to thank you so much for sharing your heart, tell people how they can connect with you and where they can get a copy of your book, Born from above, as you talked about earlier, waking up to our Genesis, where can they get the book and how can they make contact with you? It's on Amazon. You can go on Amazon, pretty much any country where you can get Amazon products. Just type in born from above, or if you go to my page, 
Dave Carringer on Facebook. I have the links on there and you can click right on it and order it. We've just been really blessed with people sending me videos and pictures and different all over the states and in different countries of getting their books and, you know, receiving them. We've got people, you know, different countries, South Africa, England, UK, different places like that that are getting the books. Anywhere you can get Amazon, and if you can't get Amazon, if there's a place uh, like a bookstore or a Barnes and Noble or anything like that in some other country where Amazon may not be available, the book is also published through Ingram Publishing, which is one of the largest publishing companies, and they have publishing facilities, printing facilities in several different countries. So if you look on my site or you look it up, you can find that ISBN number. And wherever you are, if you type in that ISBN number, you should be able to get a copy of the book. And if not, if you can't get it, send me a message on Facebook and we'll figure out how to get you a book. Great. Well, we'll talk about your book more in our next episode next week. And so, Dave Carringer, thanks so much again for being with us today. And thanks for everybody for watching another episode of Grace to All with Paul Gray. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it and honored to be here. Thank you. We'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.